facts, fibs, and fairy tales. Not to sidebar it too much at this point, because there's way more sidebars later. This hot piece of ass, apparently. Get it. That it just, like, it just exploded. I've, like, never seen jizz like this. She was like, oh, you're not supposed to sleep over on the first date. I was like, yeah, fair enough. But did you ever see her again? Or was that, was that it? That was last night. It was like an audience participation. No. Sort of deal. And, like, you know me. Any attention I can get, I'm going to fucking take. Yeah. Like, that's my currency, his attention. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Facts, Fibs, and Fairy Tales with your factual fairy, Matt Sweet. Hi, my guest this week is the glorious, magical, wonderful, light in the world, DJ John Caffrey. Hi, how are you? Hi, Matt. I never asked, can I say your last name? I've already done it. I'll bleep it out. You can say my last name. <laughs> I'm not doing this anonymously. Oh, wow. That's dangerous. I've only had a couple people use fake names, and it always, like, stresses me out the whole time, because I, I try to refer to them as themselves, and then I have to remember that their name is, like, Paco or whatever they picked. So thank you for not being anonymous. I do appreciate that. Sure. It's a lot, just a another lot. John. Just another John. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> um, so, John, tell us, a little, like, what are your categories? What are the boxes you tick? Who are you? What's your deal? I'm a queer parent, I am a professor and a DJ and a multidisciplinary artist, and an activist. Those those are the boxes I'm going to check today. Those are a lot of boxes. Yeah, I got some. (laughs) And I like the order you put them into. I was really appreciative of the parent first. That's nice to hear. It's central, yeah. (laughs) Has it become kind of like a pillar of what you are now? Certainly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, parenthood changes everything. I mean, yeah. and it becomes uh, you have to step up because you're keeping someone alive, and so oh, yikes. it's it's not something you can kind of just uh, do shit. everything else first and then be like, oh, I'll get to that one at the right. <laughs> at the bottom of my list. Yeah, the to do list changes a lot. I imagine it does change a lot. Yeah, <laughs> sleep yeah. falls off of it. <laughs> right, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So, I guess, I mean, we've talked a little bit about sort of what we're doing here. Um, Can you take me through, like, what's the short history of you existing inside of, like, Toronto's nightlife universe? Sure. I think I know your history, but I suspect you know it better than I do. I, (laughs) it started about 20 years ago. Yeah. In Toronto. I first got asked to go-go dance at the Pilot in... Pilot. Is that the one in um, Yorkville? In Yorkville. The pilot. I've never actually been there. I've only walked by it. It gives me weird, like, eebie-jeebie vibes. I don't know why. I've never been back since. Oh. <laughs> but this one time, I did go-go dance there with uh, Margot Keith and Alex McClelland and a few other folks. Uh, and then... Just throughout dancing and being part of, like, going out in club culture, uh, Will Monroe asked me in the end of the year 1999 if I would go-go dance at a new queer rock and roll party. Okay. He was uh, getting started. At the time, I was working at Zelda's, which was a drag bar on oh, Wellesley Street. Were. And so... Everyone who ends up, like... It- 
living on in Toronto nightlife started at Zelda's in some way. I just feel like that's a weird connection that has been kind of a through line for me. It was a really good crew of misfits yeah. and outsiders, particularly when it was a small operation on mm-hmm. Wellesley Street. Yeah. And it's, you know, we part of the requirements was that you had to do drag every <laughs> Saturday. There was a theme. Uh, that we had to dress within, and we were... Like, that was enforced. Like, if you showed up without it, were you kicked out? Uh, I'm not sure. No one ever... I mean, there was definitely some costumes were subpar, but everyone put an effort. Okay. And I love to put an effort, and I got really into the themes, (laughs) and uh, it was my first experimentation with drag, Yeah. and Will had come to me while I was working at Zelda's, and asked me to go go dance at this queer rock and roll party that he wanted to start up uh, kind of in a nod to rock and roll fag bar and I thought and he said I want to do it at the Elma Combo on the lower level and I thought oh I mean it's cool that you are kind of reacting to what is mainstream church and Wellesley village Mm. culture at that time in the late 90s early 2000s uh, but I really doubted what would come of it. Yeah. It was like, are people... Because you're, you're leaving the neighborhood. You're leaving and the... at the time, there was no uh, Queer West. Yeah. Uh, so even doing something in Chinatown at the Elma Combo at this old rock and roll bar. And he was excited because the Stones had played there. Yeah. Nirvana had played there. The Ramones had played there. So there was a whole... Uh, legacy connected to the building that he wanted to tap into and build on. Yeah. Anyways. But, but queering that is kind of a, that's a big ask, I think. Yeah. And I'm, so. I'm stressed out thinking about it. <laughs> but he always was visionary in seeing what could be mm-hmm. and, and was interested in kind of pulling community in different directions that maybe they weren't normally used to doing yeah. or recognizing a need and knowing we can't all just hang out on this one street yeah anyways I said yes and I think I showed up there I think doors were at 10 and I maybe showed up at 10 30 and I walked into the lower level of the Elma Combo and it was packed and what were you wearing I was wearing I think I was wearing a twisted sister three-quarter length um, t-shirt that said I want to rock on the back and it had this picture of Dee Snider in like full glam makeup and uh, kind of giving this menacing uh, rock face and I had some uh, red leather uh, wristbands with studs on them and I we used to have to go-go dance on these little boxes like Uh, they were very very small but uh, for me I was so in awe of where all these people had come from it was like the creatures of the night had emerged and I mean in my seven years of go-go dancing at that party I really built queer family and community because many of those people are still in my life today Mm -hmm. this this was Vaseline this is, oh yeah, I never said this. This party was called Vaseline, yeah. and so uh, uh, Will orchestrated, organized this whole event for years. Uh, so myself and Coco La Creme were like the main go-go dancers. Other folks were also part of that roster: Paige Gratlin, Mike Berry, 
uh, Lady Fag, and uh, that was my first taste, and it was like rock and roll high school. So he part of that what Vaseline was is that Will booked uh, local DJs to kind of play like punk rock, uh, new wave, uh, punk funk, all these kind all of mixed together. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Okay. And find the kind of queer roots of rock, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. So whether it was David Bowie, Freddie Mercury, right. um, that was the through line of kind of what the programming was about. And then he would also book uh, either local emerging acts or uh, international touring acts. So it's where Peaches got her start, Hidden Cameras, uh, The Gossip played there like three or four times, crazy. The Butchies, uh, my band Kids on TV. So I was... It's kind of like a rock and roll high school experience for me. Yeah. And so after... Were you already in the band or did the band come while you were there? The band came while I was in ba- dancing at Vaseline. Yeah. So uh, in 2003, so I'd been go-go dancing for three years. And in that time, started to get... I just found that the art scene and the music scene in Toronto was exploding. There was a real kind of queering uh, happening. The hidden cameras came up through Vaseline. And I was just really excited about live music, and yeah. and and but also really bored of how straight it was. And then and <laughs> I too bored like, by straight people; they're exhausting. Yeah, and it was you know it was a really kind of at that time a real like white man's a straight white man's music scene in Toronto. Yeah. And it seemed like there was just all this kind of bubbling up in terms of who was collaborating, and and at the time Mike Berry said to me you know, we should start a band. And I said, I don't know how to play any instruments. And he said, that doesn't matter. Let's start a band. <laughs> and he said, we'll figure it out along the way. Why has no one ever given me that offer? Right? <laughs> and so it was if kind of... If I don't of, have to play an instrument of any kind or sing, then I'll be in a band. Yeah, just show up. <laughs> that's, the, that's the ticket. It was kind of punk rock, and we learned our instruments along the way. That's so funny. I love that. And so we formed this band called Kids on TV. And... That name came from, Mike used to be a child actor, and, you know, my experience with TV as a kid was my parents got divorced, and my dad basically, when it was his time to care for me, put me in front of the TV, and I would just watch hours and hours and hours, Yeah, and was so entranced. Uh, And it really kind of shaped my childhood. Okay. What was your favorite show? A favorite show? Oh, uh... All of them. I know. Skinamax. It's like, there's a list. (laughs) Uh, I loved everything from uh, He-Man to Transformers yeah, yeah. Uh, to the Popples to... The Popples? I haven't heard about the Popples in a thousand years. Yeah, Rainbow Bright, yeah, well, My Little Pony, <laughs> She-Ra, all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you were raised by She-Ra, that's, a, that's important. Today's special... Oh, I love today's special. Yeah. TV Ontario. As a kid, I always wanted to live in a department store. And then as an adult, I worked in a department store and went, this is a nightmare and nothing at all like today's special. (laughs) Where's Muffy? Where's the talking fucking mouse? (laughs) That's Muffy, yeah. Where's Jeff? The mannequin that comes to life. But the woman on that show is now a Canadian news anchor. I think she's on CTV. What? Yeah. Look her up. I will. Twist, yeah. Look at me being educated. Not everyone's, you know. Some folks from ter- today's special are still living and thriving and in the public spotlight. Yeah, I'm sure Muffy's somewhere. Like she's, I feel like she's probably running like an international school somewhere. You know, that's very Muffy. 
<laughs> okay, That's so a you formed a band. Continue on. Uh, yeah, so Kids on TV started. <laughs> it was uh, so fun. We did a lot of gigging really fast. And we put out a song called Breakdance Hunks. I think that helped us get signed by Chicks on Speed Records out of Germany. And then we got a booker, and then we got an opportunity to kind of travel. What was the instrument you ended up playing? Uh, mostly I did vocals, and then I played bass on some songs, and I played keyboard on some okay, songs. Okay, cool. So you got signed, did some touring. And then we got to kind of experience nightlife, like, throughout Europe. Yeah. And Which I'm sure very different. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> there's always this, for me, a strange familiarity with how much music... Uh, crosses borders and sometimes Mm -hmm. you expect to hear something entirely different but a lot of the music you know sometimes in Germany is exactly what I was listening to at home right cool 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 Uh, and of course there's always things to be discovered that aren't that you don't find at home yeah but uh, it gave us an opportunity to kind of just be surrounded by folks who were creating and uh, queering nightlife and queering mm-hmm. art spaces um, and so I was in Kids on TV for 10 years in that time I also I had started DJing around the time uh, if we can fast forward it, or re- <laughs> rewind rewind that's the word yeah uh, a little bit I like to call around, it a sidebar around know? the time of ga- uh, Vaseline I'd also uh, thrown a party called Cougar uh, at the Red Spot That's on Shore Street. That's a great name. It is a good name. It's also a great name to throw at the Red Spot. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. Cougar at the Red Spot. <laughs> uh, and did some DJing at the Living Well, which was a bar on Young Street. And so that was kind of my first... I, I did like a Monday night, I think, there for a few years. And, and so when you... Like the first gig you did DJing, was it just like someone asked you, you're like, ah, I got nothing to do? Or was this something you had wanted to do? Uh, I'd always been passionate about sharing music and, a, and yeah. a, you know, a music nerd, and so was honored. And someone knew that about me, and that that's how I got that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so it's was, it was a good kind of like testing ground uh, of what it was like. But then I I really kind of uh, veered off into like making you know my time with kids on TV was really like making short films and mm-hmm. performance and recordings and and making a lot of videos mm-hmm. and then I found uh, you know after near like the eighth or ninth year of kids on TV it requires a lot of like rehearsals there's a lot of coordination to get a band together particularly yeah. as things got um, there were so many collaborations to hold in that crew after a while uh, and so I just wanted to do things where I could kind of pick up and go and DJing was that mm-hmm. and so I found myself uh, pursuing a lot more DJ work, uh, and now for the last ten years, I've been doing that a lot. Yeah, and so well, that's how you came into my universe. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I threw a party called uh, Mighty Real uh, that we started at the Beaver uh, on the West End. I love Mighty Real. I love Mighty Real too, and so that ran for I think four and a half or five years. And That's it a moved to Kensington. Shelf life. It was a pretty different, and then that led to uh, a residency uh, with Dance Floor Makeout, which started at Buddies and Bad Times Theater, but ended up in 
uh, the Black Eagle, where it's, that's been its home for the last, I think, four years. Mm-hmm. And that led to a residency with the House of Nuance. Aww. Uh, so I'd Thank already been calling it a residency. <laughs> yeah, I did feel like I was the DJ that you called on. Yeah, for uh, many of the events, many of the balls. Well, and we came to that specifically because at the time, Black Cat was like the ballroom DJ, and we were just like, like we, on one hand, we absolutely wanted Black Cat because it was just like that's part of what we're struggling with, which is legitimacy. Legitimacy, but then we thought about it, and we're just like we're already these white dudes doing this black thing. We might as well just commit to being white people, white people in, you know what I mean? Um, and you were someone at the time who just like was playing the music we were obsessed with. So it was like, it made sense to us to, to call upon you and, and let the spirits guide us. <laughs> well, I was so thrilled to have that opportunity because peripherally I was, uh, part of the ballroom community in terms of attending events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I really got exposed to it through, you know, after Will died of brain cancer, uh, I was on a committee uh, called the Will Monroe Fund. And it was a, uh, something that was a, for supporting emerging artists. Mm-hmm. And the T- Toronto Kiki Ballroom Alliance got $10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was just before I appeared in the ballroom universe. And so Sebastio Twisted uh, was the applicant for this funding, and he came and made his case for mm-hmm. why the Tiki BA could benefit from this funding. And it was like getting on a rocket ship. Him, yeah. him talking about sharing his passion for the ballroom community. Yeah. Uh, literally, I felt like my friend Lex Vaughn and I, who were both on this committee together, it's like we put on seatbelts and just went... <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. we were electrified with yeah. all that we were uh, being told. And, and, then, and so, it, it's insane when you start realizing that this community was existing already and you knew nothing about it. And the moment you hear a little bit about it, and especially from Twisted himself, like, he's the reason I got into ballroom, because he is just, like, he is undeniable. You you can't walk away from a conversation with him about ballroom without feeling something. And, yeah. you know, we had just lost our friend Will Monroe, and Twisted had a similar type of magic mm. yeah. uh, in him in terms of uh, someone who's able to manifest and work and collaborate with many people. Yeah. It wasn't on his shoulders alone, but definitely both Will and Twisted were responsible for big pushes mm-hmm. and, and and organizing efforts yeah. to help everyone get those spotlights. Yeah, yeah. Crazy pants. And so it was such a exciting opportunity to be able to be on a committee and help fund that. And then I've just been in love with what Toronto's made happen ever since. Um, yeah. And you some know, of my we're... favorite clips in ballroom uh, for Toronto are they often feature you on the sidelines clapping and just like feeling the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like your chor- your clapping choreography is beautiful. There's something, but like it's a full body experience for you. It's not just in the arms, and I it's it's good to watch. I'll see if I can find. It. I'll send it to you. I think those are some sheer joy moments <laughs> where I'm just like on the sidelines, yeah. living for what's <laughs> happening, and. Uh, yeah, and like literally electrified. Yeah. Cute. Okay, well, let's switch gears. I feel like, is that the short history? Do, well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's the short, short history. Well so, those are the yeah. kind of 
you know, my introduction to go-go dancing, how yeah. that led to the band and kind of art stuff. Yeah. Uh, into DJing work, which I'm doing now. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, there's the summary. There's the summary. <laughs> That's the back of the movie box. <sighs> and we're there. Um, okay, so let's, uh, we're going to kind of bounce around here because I was saying to you a little bit before we started, but like for me, you are someone who I just think is fascinating because you have a thousand facets to you and I, uh, this is probably going to be a long episode. I know you didn't sign up for that, but we're recording now. You can't stop me. <laughs> um, so I'm going to bounce around from like weird subject to weird subject. So like, just bear with me. Sure. We're going to go with it. Um, so now that we've talked a little bit about sort of your history, um, don't worry, listeners, we will get to fucking soon, but not just yet. Um, what's like the thing that you love the most about Toronto's nightlife universe specifically? What's the thing that's the best? Oh, it's hard to narrow that down to one thing. I know, that's the pressure of it. <laughs> I think I think there's a lot going on. I think that there is a beautiful kind of creative resistance and ways in which people like to, like there's a lot of folks that just like to fuck with the status quo. Yeah, all the time. And <laughs> I love that. I think that makes things exciting. So even being involved in nightlife for 20 years, there's still things that turn my head and be like, what are they doing? <laughs> What's that going on over there? What are those kids that don't whippersnappers over there doing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, What's the worst thing? What's the thing you wish you could change? Hmm. What do I wish I could change? Uh, well, I wish there were more spaces. That's exactly my answer. For, for nightlife. Yeah, they're shrinking. All of them. You know? It's, and it's a shame. Uh, I miss... A lot of the clubs that used to be around, mm. uh, and the like. Where was your club? Like, what was your like home base for whatever amount? Of time? Well, Vaseline was, but then so many of the things that Will was associated with, so Peroxide, which took place, which was a electro party uh, <laughs> in Kensington Market. It was in Fifty Six Kensington. The place was a total fire trap. Is that the place at the end of the weird, long, sketchy hallway? No, no, that's where Mighty Real was. Where cold tea. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, this was at 56 Kensington, and you had to kind of go down a lot of stairs, and there was n only one exit, and there was usually a whole lineup of people blocking yes. the exit, so it's like, you're kind of in here. Right. And the... the <laughs> I'm taking my life in my hands. <laughs> and I commit. I'm, not, right. I'm up for this. This is I'm a pretty good way to die. I'm just drunk enough. Let's go. <laughs> uh, and... I, I like that, you know, I think, what do they say, that invention is the, I think this is a Frank Zappa quote, invention is the, uh, it's about necessity. Necessity is the mother of invention? Necessity is the mother of invention, there that's what I'm trying to say. Is, and yes. basically, because we don't have a lot of spaces, people have had to get creative in how they take over places, mm. how they change places, how they try and work with what's existing to make it more inclusive. And, um, and exciting in a, in a big city that's yeah. always changing. Yeah, I'm very curious, like, in 20 years, what it's going to look like. Are we all just going to go to 
condo lobbies and party there? Like, is that how it's going to go? I really hope not. <laughs> it's a dystopian future. Move over, Handmaid's Tale. There's a new, horrible future to look forward to. Yeah. Well, I mean, two things. We could have Handmaid's and this, you know? Yeah. They'll likely go hand in hand. Yeah, right. Hand in Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Terrifying. Um, okay, so is there ever, like, what's the, the weirdest... Actually, no. Let me start with this first, actually. What, we're going to just fully change gears, just like on a dime. It's going to be great. Um, what turns you on, John? What turns me on? Yeah. What makes y'all hot and bothered? Uh, a good sense of humor. Uh, being able to dance with me and like get down and, 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 okay. and seeing somebody uh, move their body. <laughs> I like that because it doesn't imply that they're good at it. <laughs> okay, if I didn't imply that, let me imply that. I like uh, yeah. when they when you say dance with you. What does that mean? Are they like grinding up in, or is it like just dancing in the same space? It can be in the same space. I can be watching from afar and being oh. like, I just like the way that person moves. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Because I think for me, I always get like I love dancing and I'll I'll flail about anytime, but it's funny. When boys come at me, they want to grind with me, and I just, I don't know how to do it. Like, I don't, I don't, like, we can dance around, we can, like, flail, we can bump up against each other, but the moment someone's like, I'm gonna grind you, I'm like, I, 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 I what do I do? What's, the, I don't know, I don't, I don't understand that motion. <laughs> Keep at it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it with time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay, so they make you laugh. And they do. Uh, I mean, I love a. Uh, someone's face can. It you like can a really good do face. Yeah, I like a good face. A good face. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. That's. It's really what doesn't. You know, there's a lot of uh, torsos, profiles <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And it's really about what's your face? What do you look like? Yeah, it's funny that that's the part people are kind of. Sometimes, not everybody. But sometimes people are most nervous about showing their face, and they just rather show their tit than their chin. And I just like I don't get that. Yeah. Like I'm not attracted to your tits. They're lovely tits, but why? I need to see your face. <laughs> yeah. Do you have joy in your eyes? Do you have sadness in your eyes? Do you have both? Ah, oh, yikes. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. Um, when do you get thirsty? Like, when does the thirst come upon you? Are you a spring? Are you a summer? Are you a fall? Are you a really weird winter person who's like man crazy in the middle of November? I'd say it's the <laughs> end of spring, beginning of summer, like the oncoming heat, the mm. the sight of flesh yeah. on the sidewalk. Flesh returns. You know? It's suddenly you're seeing some skin again and yeah. there's a an awakening. <laughs> See, I think for me, actually, I really love a fall because I feel like everyone starts like looking less um, sunburnt and more like fashionable. And there's something about that to me that I respond to. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love I love a cute man in a nice jean and a lightly tight sweater like that. That'll be all right for me. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's the spring. It's like this. Yeah. I'm alive. <laughs> kind of moment. Right. Like I've returned. <laughs> yeah. I like that. My libido is back. Truly. Hibernation's <laughs> over. Um, what in the course of your, your time being out there, being a gal about town, um, what is the oddest sex request you've ever come across? Has anyone asked you to do something that you're like, 
Well, I don't know if I'm into that, but I'll give it a college try. Uh... I mean, there's been some requests that I have uh, passed on. <laughs> I'll I say that. that. Uh, <laughs> one time somebody took a used condom that I had come into and then, like, a few minutes later picked it up like it was a freezy and then kind of just, like, slurped it all down. <laughs> and I was like, you know, those that's really exciting freshly baked. But there's something about it kind of sitting there for a while and then picking it up and then having a drink. Yeah. I just really found did not do it for me. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I will swallow. But the moment it's like it's out of body and it's been a few minutes, it's done. I think it's like a souffle. You got you to gotta eat it immediately. Timing is of the essence yeah. here. <laughs> you don't want it to be clammy. It's, it's all terrible. I mean, it's all good. Whatever. But yeah, whatever I, I did kind of find yeah, that's, uh, that's funny. it wasn't for me. <laughs> Did you ask them to stop immediately, or were you just like, No, I, I just kind of watched. I kind of, you know, see yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but none for me, thanks. Now, <laughs> had you already put the condom, like, in the garbage? Was it just to the side? It was to the side. Okay. <laughs> and then, I like to believe that he probably, like, smacked his lips after, like, ah, you know? Paint that picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, have you ever made a, a request that got denied? Totally. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, I have faced a lot of rejection. I'm somebody who, I don't know, for better or worse, can have an inflated sense of confidence, perhaps. <laughs> and so I will just see what I can get out there in the world sometimes. Yeah. And I have been rejected lots of different ways. Uh, you know, but that's another podcast <laughs> or series. Yeah, six well, episodes on John Caffrey's rejection. <laughs> Yikes, that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do a double series for that. Yeah, because I'm sure we'll unlock things in me. Um, what is like? Do you? I I kind of have this in, in, um, image of like being a DJ about town. And I kind of make the assumption that you just get propositioned all the time as a DJ. Is that true? Is that a thing? Uh, there's been some advances yeah. over the years, sure. Can you see them coming? Uh, some people are really, really obvious about it, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's often alcohol uh, I've heard. in the ingredients of a nightlife yeah. situation. I've never involved. And so person. not everyone's handling their alcohol so well. <laughs> or at all. Or at all. <laughs> and... Uh, so that can be pretty profuse, you know, it just takes the one really inebriated person to tell you how much they like you, and yeah. they're just not reading any of the cues. Right. I feel pretty attacked like, I have that. my headphones on, I'm trying to be three feet away, all my body language is turning away. Right. This is as far as this cable will let me go for a mm. Totally. Can you hit that button for me? Thanks. <laughs> Have you ever accepted a proposition in this this kind of setting? Yes. Ooh, how did it go? Uh, <laughs> I've had some I've had some fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. Would if you had to describe like the ratio, like good sex to bad sex, and let's throw medium in there, like it'll be a three part ratio. Would you say that are you like a fifty fifty kind of person? Like, are you? Are, do you have excellent sex? That's really what I'm trying to get at here. 
Yes. <laughs> well, I like that you dropped an octave for the yes. That was good. I mean, I assume. You just seem like someone who's just, like, out there to, like, get the job done. You know what I mean? I really enjoy it, and <laughs> I think I like to spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah. Uh, and, you, you know, I'm 40 years old. You learn about yourself and your desires mm. and your body and other people's bodies in that time. Trial and error. Mm-hmm. And I think it's improved with age. Yeah. Uh, have you surprised yourself recently? Like, have you learned something new about yourself recently that you're like, oh, I didn't know that? Well, there's always, there's just, sometimes there's nice surprises of just like, I am still flexible. <laughs> or I can get stronger. Right. <laughs> or that does really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I get that. I, uh, am relatively recently single and, uh, I'm already exhausted by the idea of having to, like, do the ritual of mating, which is exhausting. But one of the things that I am excited about is just, like, I know that I'm going to learn something else about myself. Like, before this last boyfriend, I was just sort of, sort of starting to get into, like, the daddy-boy-play thing. Like, I'd had a few experiences where it was, like... For some reason, those were the only people that were ordering me on the menu, you know what I mean? And like, whatever, I was like, good giving and game, I'll go for it. And then I discovered that like, oh no, I think I think I might like this. Um, so I'm excited to see like what the next thing is. Like, I hope it's like weird, well, I actually don't hope that it's like, you know, shit play, because I just feel like I'm not prepared for the cleanup, but maybe it will be, who knows? I'll get a German shitting table and make it a feature of my apartment. Dream big. <laughs> It's really important, you know? <laughs> Always be dreaming. Um, let's see here. What is your move? Like, you're out and about. You see a prospective partner. And you're like, I'm going to pick them up. What, how do you, what's you, what do you do? How do you do it? Uh, gauge eye contact. Like, are we connecting oh. from a distance first? Is there, like, kind of some... Are we noticing how each other? How do you catch their eye, though? How do you get their attention? <laughs> I like a jumping jack. <laughs> or just perseverance. Okay. Uh, you know. It's like putting yourself in their eyeline. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, trying to read those cues. And then, you know, I, I'm one for conversation. So I, I, I'm thankfully not very shy. And so I try and f- figure out a way to talk to the person. Okay. And do you just go up and be like, hello, I am a DJ. Begin. Sometimes it helps if I have drink tickets. <laughs> I've got these tickets. I need to get rid of them here. Yeah, I'm happy Come to share drink later. tickets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got a pretty good kind of Rolodex memory, so if I can remember, oh, we know I have this person in common. Anything kind of, you know, you're okay. just looking for anything to. How do I start this conversation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all out there because we want to connect, but then we get there and sometimes it's so hard just to talk to the person beside us. Yeah, because it's easier to talk them through your phone. Yeah, I mean, I had a friend who came out and was joking about being single and he came out and it was an underwear party at the Black Eagle on the rooftop and it was packed, lined up to get in and he was sitting beside me on his app like trying to message and I said, you could also just like talk to anybody here. Yeah, yeah, that's how that works. But it can feel, that can feel harder. It can. I think what's interesting to me is like, 
I I have been talking a lot about the Black Eagle lately, and how it's just like that's the space I want to go to. I don't want to go anywhere else. Like that particular bar, at this point in my life, just makes a lot of sense because I do think that it eliminates not all, but some of that pretense that I I've really kind of com, uh, come up against in other places. Like I know, maybe I've spoken about this before. Sorry, listeners. I mean, you're still here, but um, we used to go to this bar called Wayla. And it was a fine bar, and I'm, I'm sure many people had many great nights there, but it just was not the right bar for me, or at least the nights I was going to were right for me, because it was like, I'm there to have a good time, and like I'm not necessarily there to like hunt dick, so I'm just like dancing and flailing and having a good time, enjoying the music. But I'd be surrounded by these dudes, and they're like, all of them are just like giving me cut-eye because I appear to be having a good time, and they're just like busy being on the walls trying to catch, like, other people's attention, but not actually doing anything about it. And I just, like, at the Black Eagle, you know, especially when it's, like, underwear night or jockstrap night or whatever it is, it's, like, you've already taken away some of the tools people use to kind of um, build those walls up. And so it just means, like, once you've committed to taking all your clothes off, like, you're there to have a good time. Like, and you just have to now. You've already done some of the loosening up. Yeah, <laughs> you probably arrived a little loose, you know. Yeah, so I, I think that's really interesting, and I think it is super sad that they hung out next to you on their app all night when they could have just been out like licking a naked body. Yeah, I mean he was he was joking around. He has a sense of humor about it, but I I, I bring it up because it's it's not an unusual story. I think it's yeah. like something we see all the time. Yeah, of course, for sure, for sure. Um, so you're you're on the apps now. Uh, ish. You're thinking ish. about it. Yeah, I've been on them, it. taking a break. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you have to take a break. Um, can I ask? Can you describe your profile picture? What are you giving? Uh, I'm giving face. <laughs> Tell you that. Not just titties. Not just titties. Uh, yeah, I'm giving you. Is it like middle distance? Is it up close? Is it really far back? It's a close up. Oh, cute. Are you winking slyly? No. Maybe no winking slyly. I'm giving you full-on smolder, Ooh. bearded, blue eyes. Hi. <laughs> I hope there's a thought bubble that says <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite ready for the apps just yet, but uh, oh, I'm not looking forward to that. Mostly because like, I only take joke photos. Like, I don't know how to take an attractive photo of myself. So I really rely on other people to just like take one accidentally when I'm not paying attention. But then I'm also not gonna ask anyone to do that. <laughs> I need grinder photos. Would anyone please just follow me around for Help a day? Me out. Uh, I'll just like casually be topless, which would never happen. Um, I have to pee, can we have a little break? Yeah, take a pee. Great. Normally I record this part. Oh, okay, I can bring it in the video. <laughs> If you go to my OnlyFans, you can see the video. <laughs> what happened in the last porn you watched? Well, let me start with, do you watch porn? <laughs> occasionally. I yeah. used to watch it a lot more. Yeah. Uh, Have I you exercised porn from your life? No. Not, <laughs> no, not entirely. But I don't seek it out like I did when I was younger. Okay. Uh... The last porn I watched, uh... It was 1992. <laughs> Picture it! Sicily! 
I think there was something about someone was late for a meeting and <gasps> and then they were in suits and they took yeah. off their clothes and but uh, they cut the tie on probably uh, there was initially uh, some like suit remnants left on <laughs> it's either that one or like just some like full on group orgy one, okay. of, one of those two was the yeah. last one just like casually less plot more bodies right <laughs> <laughs> this has seven people okay play right <laughs> right you have to count the bodies before it's like I'm ready I'm mm. interested <laughs> um, okay let's change gears a little bit because I do want to talk to you about this though um, what's the best song ever yeah you're making a big face right now yeah I'm a and bit... I know that's a lot of pressure but I do know that there's only one answer but I'm not going to give it to you oh this is like a quiz <laughs> okay um, well let's let's ease into it while you're thinking about the best song ever What's a song that you're obsessed with right now? A song that I'm obsessed with right now yeah. uh, is the song Closure by Lil Nas X. And that's because I've really enjoyed watching his emergence as... A surprise gay. <laughs> truly. And I heard about him first because my friend who has a six-year-old said oh all the kids at the gym are singing along to old town road i'm like what's old town road yeah and she said you don't know the song you're mr music how can you not know the song so mm-hmm. i started to, i looked up the song and i was like oh then he did this song with he did this remix with billy ray cyrus yeah. and it was charting and then it was like it was on the weeks on the charts for 13 weeks and then he came out during world pride uh, and he like made reference to this image on the seven inch cover that had like a rainbow in a <laughs> tower. And he said, I thought, I thought it was all obvious already. And he's got a really funny, like charming, uh, presence on Twitter. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, as you know, it's sort of getting talked about in pop culture that this 20 year old, uh, black gay rapper uh, was vying for the longest running number one single in Billboard history. Oh. And he eventually beat out Justin Bieber and that guy's song Desposito and the Mariah Carey Boys to Men's uh, single. And in 61 years, and now he's still, it's still number one. Now, Old Town Road is oh, not sure. my favorite song. Yeah, yeah. But on that seven inch, he has this song Closer, which he. Closer or Closure? Closure. Pardon me, closure, which he pointed fans to because it's kind of like his coming out song, and uh, for me, it's the his strongest song on that release, and I just love that gymnasiums full of children. So not just my friend's school, but if you look online, there's tons of clips of kids, like gymnasiums full of kids, singing along to this song, and I thought, what a beautiful pop culture moment that the that you know in. There's all these folks that are just so comfortable with this person uh, kind of as the, you know, having having their moment yeah. right now and that everyone's singing along this song and he's, you know, uh, killing it at the BET Awards and he's got so many uh, fans, you know, uh, in the music industry that are also kind of holding him up and, and happy to see this person get that opportunity. Yeah. 
who is all of these things that traditionally have not been that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, that's super cool. And, or had that kind of mainstream success. Yeah. And so that song is... Uh, been in, in his career has just been really fun to kind of watch emerge yeah, yeah. and he just is so unabashedly himself at least that's the way I, I read his presence and I'm totally charmed by him <laughs> greatest song of all time it's honestly impossible for me to <laughs> narrow that down to one wow e- even though you I have this kind of quiz show uh, <laughs> element to it I honestly think that like every genre has its gems yeah. and its shit and so, like the you know when I DJ out in the city, I play primarily uh, classic and new disco and house music. Mm-hmm. But at home, I'm listening to uh, jazz and R and B and ambient and punk and folk. And so, uh, for me, it's it's <laughs> I can I'm really watching your truly, brain truly challenging. Right now. <laughs> yeah, I can talk about like certain artists like Nina Simone who have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, really important for me uh sylvester uh joni mitchell neil young like Kraftwerk. Yeah. uh okay i love that in that list that's good yeah okay um the answer just so you know oh what was the answer uh, it's automatic by the pointer sisters oh i love that song it's a great song pointer it's sisters. the greatest song ever so <laughs> i'm a big pointer sisters fan uh, Dare Me. Yeah. And when I was in grade four, now I was the kind of kid that everyone in my elementary school knew I was gay by <laughs> age six. No yes. joke. Yeah. And. You had that sodomite energy. I sure did. It, I hung out <laughs> with a lot of girls. I was really good at skipping and double dutch. And yes, I. I was also a double dutcher. I was an organizer of. Uh, neighbors doing choreography on my front lawn <laughs> to songs like Vogue by Madonna. Okay. So there was some hints out there. Yeah, they were one right. or two. <laughs> but it's frustrating when other people know before you do. I, I didn't think. even, you know, way before I was sexual, I was, yeah. you know, femme, fag, gay boy, whatever, all that stuff. <laughs> Anyways, I still had girlfriends through elementary school, one of which was my uh, best friend, Julie Fott, who, uh, all these years later, after meeting her in 1983, yeah. I am still... Uh, I talk to her almost every single day. Oh wow! And I don't talk to anyone almost every single day. We're on, we're on the. You're on a wait. We're on the the phone a lot. <laughs> and in grade four, I asked her to be my girlfriend. Shane Studley and I would kind of compete with her for her love and attention. She kind of go back and forth between dating the two of us, and yeah. uh, so. I think I I gave her grape hubba bubba because I usually kind of went to the candy store to like sweeten the deal. Yeah. And so I think I gave her some grape hubba bubba. Bribing I people said, for friendship is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I got this girlfriend with a pack of gum. <laughs> so Ooh, you got game. <laughs> I asked her if she would be my girlfriend. She said yes, and I sang uh, Pointer Sisters. I'm so excited in its entirety to her in response, like. Yeah. I want to say four verses, three choruses. Mm-hmm. Like, she was kind of like, when do I get a word in? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, patiently waiting so I could sing my whole song as a nine-year-old boy on the field, the soccer field. <laughs> and, I mean, if there weren't clues before that moment, I think that might have been like, aha, that's a gay. <laughs> well, she was also the first person I decided to come out to. When did you come out? 
Uh, I was 15, yeah. and at that point, I was already cruising washrooms and, really? and having oh, a lot of... Uh, I'm assuming you grew up in the city. Uh, I grew up in Hamilton that's, and, that's and Waterdown. So my, okay. my, my mom lived in Waterdown, a small town, and my dad lived in Hamilton, and I went to school in Hamilton. So yeah. I kind of had both experiences. But cool. yeah, as a 14-year-old, I kind of got exposed to like the underground cruising of yeah, Hamilton, yeah. and so that was... Uh, a big secret that I kept from everyone in my life for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I never had, well, and, and I, maybe it exists in Napanee, I don't know, I doubt, but maybe. I'm, it exists everywhere, but that is a part of sort of the gay experience that I've never, never touched. Um, and I'm curious about it. I've, like, I, I think it's fucking fascinating. Oh, I touched it. <laughs> So, life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like, I had a grade 10 spare first period, and so. That was your time. I, it was just one of the times. <laughs> but I was like, I got an hour and 20 minutes to kill, and so I go, you know, take a bus down to Jackson Square or. or yeah. Um, Give a polite handy J. You know, I got a little map if anybody needs the hot <laughs> spots. <laughs> but. Uh, Are they, do you think there's still the hot spots? Uh. I'm sure they've changed. Much as Hamilton has. In 20 yeah. years, I'm sure if I went back, it would be like, oh, Starbucks. <laughs> uh, oh, this used to be my favorite bush. <laughs> uh, so Julie and I were dancing at her parents, in her parents' living room. I was 15 years old, and we listened to the Abba Gold album. And we're like jumping. Yes. We're kind of like, even though we were teenagers, we were jumping around on the furniture and... Then we went out to smoke a cigarette, and I, I confessed to her that I think I'm bi. And she goes, really? Mm -hmm. I thought you were gay. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> you know? And I really thought I was working up the courage, and I was like, oh, yeah, looking back, eh, sometimes how we're naive to our own ways, that, yeah. like, I guess, you know, singing Pointer Sisters to you as a child, and now <laughs> dancing to this ABBA album. I thought I was breaking some real news. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know the first person I told I, 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 that I was gay, it was like, uh-huh, and let's go get burgers. Yeah, like, go on. What, what else, what's the surprise here you're looking for? Uh, yeah. Yikes. But it was also my, my good Judy, you know, it was that, that girl that kind of protected me and like, was that, um... Oh, she was the one that my family assumed I was dating, and if I never corrected them, then it was fine. I mean, assumed I was dating. They also knew, but, like, it kind of let the... They were happy to play along. Yeah, they would play along as long as they were able to, which was really, I guess, kind of them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, Jules was incredible. I mean, she literally uh, stepped up when bullies came at me. I remember once there was, like five guys at a plaza who were picking on me, calling me faggot. And then she stepped in and said, you'll have to go through me first. Now here's a 15-year-old girl taking on five guys. She's no bigger than me. Yeah. And I'm just like, my hero. <laughs> and I assume that she scared them off. She did scare them off. Of course. I know. Yeah, I love that. Um, have you experienced any of that anti-gay bullshit like in the last decade? Have you noticed a change in it? Or do you just not acknowledge it? Or... Has it not happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, it creeps up. It surprises you. It's mm. still here in our world. Yeah. Uh, I have the benefit and privilege of like going from something that was uh, 
so consuming because I that aspect of my identity I experienced so much oppression because of it to you know honestly now in Toronto it's something that I, f- I think really connects me to pe- people mm. that people value uh, that aspect of me it's uh, you know not always do we do people get to experience that kind of uh, transcendence true. or uh, <laughs> switch through transcendence yeah I mean uh, or just kind of growth or get to experience yeah. like it's incredible what's happened in 50 years for queers yeah uh, I, you know as a child it was like the AIDS epidemic and that was all I heard about in elementary school mm-hmm. there was so much fear and yeah. there's just like so much uh, you know getting to work with youth for like 15 years of my career in like uh community development and community arts initiatives uh i've gotten to get schooled by wonderful people who are like 15 years younger than me and they're talking about the toxic culture of masculinity at age nine and i'm like hello thank you the future is looking okay never mind that hand in the handmaid's tale thing that we were talking about two years ago or early in this conversation (laughs) fuck that we got some folks here blazing a trail yeah I keep being kind of astounded by that because for me, I was thinking about this the other day. This like I used to have what I called the Halloween hate crime, which is where every Halloween I would do my thing, and then on my way home, inevitably someone would yell "faggot" out of a car door, or you know, creepily follow me down a street while muttering terrible things under their breath. Um, and that hasn't happened in a couple of years, and it is. I don't know if that's just that the times are changing or I'm just not even noticing it anymore. I'm just like, I've become You so didn't mention you haven't been out that much lately. I mean, there's actually... <laughs> yeah. It also helps if you never leave your house. Yes, I'm safe in here. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, it's, it's funny, even just like being out and sort of, you know, around the community, the, the sort of, there's been this big push for like this queer identity and then that being the thing. And it's funny for me, it's, queer was never like an option for me. Is like, that's my defining self, you know? It was like, partly because that was one of the words used to like torture me as a kid. So like that is a complicated word for me to sort of reclaim. Um, but it's amazing to see all these people out here that like gender queer folks of just like, I'm going to be whatever I want to be today. I fucking love seeing that and I think that takes crazy courage and I just like I can't get over how much it's changed just in my lifetime um, and it's just exciting to see and I think you get to see it more because you actually work with people who are like doing it and I'm just like in my house watching it on TV <laughs> I watch it on TV too I mean obviously. Um, can you tell me a little bit about so one of your descriptors was like I'm a professor so tell me about that sure what do you do what's your deal uh Three years ago, I started teaching at George Brown College in the Community Worker Program. Uh, it's a program that I graduated from myself. I felt like a real uh, kind of academic fuck-up <laughs> growing up, okay. I think. Was, uh, school wasn't your, your jam? No, I think in high school, the homophobia that I faced was so incessant mm. and brutal that I uh, skipped a lot of school... Uh, it was also kind of like 90s slacker culture. So, you know, it was cool to be out getting high in the parking lot and saying, I'm not going to go to that class. To be fair, it's still cool to be out in the it's, parking it's lot. It's still cool, high. but it's also cool to fucking get your learn on. 
Get your learn on. I love that. And <laughs> so I was, there's lots of ways I was kind of like disengaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, you know, my dad was on welfare for a lot of years. My mom worked in the service industry. We didn't have a lot of money. And uh, many of my family members also worked in the service industry. I thought that that was uh, my path. And I worked in the service industry for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's built in me a lot of characteristics that I really like about myself and my ability to like be with people in the nightlife, I think, is founded on being in service to people. Yes. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, through that experience I sh- it wasn't until I was 27 that I went back to school and I was like oh things are clicking for me because mm. um, I was just so consumed with just like paying rent and getting the bills and trying to survive in the city and uh, get a foothold that you know after being here for almost 10 years I decided to go to school it was like a catapult for me in terms of like this realization of what I had wanted to I was doing a lot of volunteer work in community both in terms of like working with like homeless and low-income populations and youth as well as like HIV and AIDS and the arts and I thought oh here's ways I can kind of like work with communities and in terms of and organize and empower and you know that kind of thing like no guidance counselor ever said like you might be good at this they were just (laughs) like you're failing math and science you're doomed basically You're a trash goblin of a yeah. person. Best of luck, faggot. <laughs> Get out of my office. So. I love the idea of that being a guidance counselor. Yeah. <laughs> what about hang in there? What about the cat poster? That's not for you. <laughs> so, you know, this things really aligned for me at that time. Yeah. And it, it allowed me to do a lot of the work that I've really valued over the last, like, 15 cool. years. And I got... Uh, called in to do for an interview uh, to teach one course and that's grown and so now I, I teach human rights I teach community organizing there mm-hmm. uh, medium is the message so like it's a media analysis course uh, project community-based project design so looking at like what's going on in communities how can we build projects that are responsive to community needs uh, so I love it uh, it's cool. fun to uh, have these different aspects of my work that pull me in really different directions. But yeah. I, I think about it, all the ways that's, you know, uh, so I start all my classes with a social justice playlist. So there's always two or three songs that have, yeah. uh, that address the kind of musical, that address the, the theme or content of what that lesson is, whether it's classism or racism or ableism or feminism or whatever. And it, um, I build it as so this as a student the fifteen minutes the students are arriving are, are all kind of like songs on this and then I I put it on like the online module so sure. everyone access the songs <laughs> and similarly when I'm DJing I'm kind of thinking about like uh, how we're educating the folks there I don't want them to just think about I don't want them to be the same as the pop radio that we are hearing that you can easily hear yeah um, so who is important that we don't forget in terms of where we are at in ter- and you know, if it's in a queer space then who are the queer artists that I really want to make sure that we're continuing to hear mm-hmm. their songs and understanding like I love playing a DJ set that can move through like 40 years of music mm-hmm. in terms of signposts of just like this artist like started this sound and here's who's doing it right now yeah. and this is a 
classic reference to an old sound or this samples this and so I yeah. love to kind of build that together and I look at other artists uh, that do that and for me that's a real that's always been a drive for me is kind of like shining a light on uh, the shoulders that we stand on and how we got here uh, yeah. well you yourself like you've led to a lot of musical discoveries for me like you kind of came into my universe around the time that I became obsessed with the Pointer Sisters mm. And I feel like you were part of that vehicle that like made that happen. So thank you. It was Great, a, my pleasure. It was a several years obsession, and it was a bit much, but we're here. We're on the other side of it. And you're better um, for it. Obviously, <laughs> as much as one can be. Um, how do you find music? Like, how do you? How does it come to you? I look at music sites every single day. Really? Okay. Like, can you give me an example of one? Because I've sure. never been to a music site before. Um, <laughs> Uh, everything from like uh, blogs, mm. uh, Pitchfork, uh, Beatport. Okay, uh, I've heard of those two things. Yeah, so I'm, they're I'm both kind of different types of things, but I'm yeah. just trying to give an example of like. But I'm, I have a bu- uh, many many tabs on my computer mm. or uh, bookmarks, and I just like I check check the the news and the weather and my banking every day. I'm also there's like. <laughs> Uh, I'm interested in lots of different music sites, and so, That's so I still am, I mean, I grew up making mixtapes, sharing music, that's the way sharing music started for me, mm-hmm. and that evolved into making mix CDs or playlists online, so I still make myself, uh, and those that I get an opportunity to share it with, uh, two playlists a month. <laughs> Minimally, at least one, that's like an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. And... Like, on my one laptop alone, I have from, I think, February 2013 um, until, what are we, August 2019? Yeah. I probably have two or three playlists for almost every single month for those last six years just on that computer. That's cool. On my iTunes. Can you Um, kind of chart your sort of personal journey through that, too? Like, if you look at the music that you're putting out. Oh, yeah. To see, like, oh, I was in this mood that month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Or like what I was going through and why I was listening to this, why this sound, I was so, dr- yeah. so drowned to a particular sound or feel. There was that dark period where it was all Bjork for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bjork. Some I once did, I so she uh, did a concert at Roy Thompson Hall. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen Bjork several times, but that concert in particular, my friend and I decided to do poppers. And I think it was... The most inappropriate place to do poppers. It was all assigned seating. She was playing with an orchestra. It felt like a classical experience. Very high art. And my friend and I are leaning over, sniffing poppers. Mm-hmm. And poppers stink. Like, yeah. it fucking reeked the whole, like, our row, everyone beside us, of solvents. Everyone's kind of like looking around like, who is poisoning us? And it's just like, it's just us. We're so giggly and lightheaded over here. <laughs> Enjoying All is Full of Love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, poppers at Roy Thompson Hall, like, that's just a sentence that begins so many journeys for me emotionally. That's really good. <laughs> I once was at a party in New York City and Bjork was there. Uh, and... <laughs> I re- I've been a fan of hers for a long time. And this is maybe like seven or eight years ago, but I really wanted to talk to her. And um, it was a packed, packed uh, 
club and every time I got near her and like was about to open my mouth to say something, she would do this little pixie sneeze like, choo! <laughs> I'd be like, cause tight. And then I would try and start my sentence again and she would go, choo! <laughs> and I started to pick up, I was like, I think this might be a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. This is the, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's your version of, I've got my headphones on, and I, you're not reading my body language. You know? <laughs> and many of us have seen that clip of her, and she's at an airport, and she takes a swing at some, you know, uh, meddlesome reporter who's in her face. So, a little pixie sneeze is a very <laughs> it could be much kind gesture compared to what it could have been. <laughs> so, you know, I'll take that into context, but, yeah. uh, and love her from a distance. I think that's what she would prefer. I know, me too. (laughs) Okay, we do have to wrap up, so I'm going to ask you uh, this very important question. In the next seven days, how are you going to bring some light and levity into your little corner of the universe? I am... uh, I have a three-year-old son. Yeah. We didn't even get into that. We didn't even get into that. I have so many questions immediately. But... uh, (laughs) He's at a really great age and stage right now. I mean, he's got a super funny sense of humor that's developed uh, and a wild imagination. And the best thing about three-year-olds is that it's so much about play. And so there's definitely light and levity in that. I mean, it's a beautiful summer, just like we often pretend pretty much on the daily that we are spiders and (laughs) and there's some kind of like spider dragon adventure that we go on. Uh, and then I got two gigs. We were talking about the Black Eagle before. I play a party called DFMO on Friday, and then a rooftop patio uh, underwear party on Sunday. Ooh, where's that? At the Black Eagle again. Both of them oh. are at the Black Eagle. And so I think the music that I play brings light and levity. I, I really think mm. of, of dancing as like a joyful movement of the body. Yeah. And I play music to make people move. Girl, I can't with you. Thank you for doing this. Sure, Matt. You're perfect. Did you know that? I'm not. Poe Buddy's perfect, as I always like to say. Ugh. Trust me, the, you know. That's how I know you're a teacher. I am, uh, <laughs> I'm a flawed individual. Yeah, as are we all. But I think you're perfect. Okay. And I really appreciate you doing this, because I, uh, you, I think I've said this too many times, but you really are someone that is, I think, just like actively making the world better and I don't know how you do that because I struggle (laughs) but you're excellent at it and I want to thank you for that and thank you for this and with that I'll shut the fuck up alright lots of love get out of here I hope everyone has a great rest of your week get out of here it's my house oh no (laughs) (laughs) thank you for tuning in listeners if you want to connect with me if you want to be a guest on the podcast you can reach out to me uh, on Twitter at FactsFibsFairy or on Facebook or Instagram at FactsFibsAndFairyTales or you can reach out by email at FactsFibsAndFairyTales at gmail.com. When you get home, I would like you to masturbate. (laughs) 